Good evening. Welcome back. Glad you're here joining us as we, as we take up our Wednesday night Bible study again tonight. Uh, let's, let's begin our Bible study tonight with a word of prayer. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come. We're thankful for this day. We're thankful for the blessings of this day. We're thankful for the hope of this day that we have secure in our Savior Jesus Christ. We're thankful for the truth of your word and how it leads us and directs us, comforts us, guides us, blesses us uh, as we walk with you. I pray tonight as we study your word that you would speak, uh, that you would lead us, that you would teach us, that we would discern, we would hear uh, your truth, and we would hear from you tonight. Bless this time together tonight and, and all of it for the honor and the glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Again, welcome back to our, our Wednesday night Bible study tonight. We are in the midst of a series looking at the question, can a saved person be lost again? Can a person who is saved uh, ever be lost again? Is there a sin uh, that they could commit that would, that would render them lost again? Is there, is there something they could do or something they could, could not do that they would, would neglect to do? Uh, could, they, could they renounce their faith? If a person is saved, can they ever be lost again? And that, that's our, uh, our topic for these weeks. Uh, some call this the doctrine of eternal security. Uh, others call it perseverance of the saints. Some say uh, once saved, always saved. And sometimes you hear it, hear it referred to as that. Uh, but, but really it's just this question. If a person is saved, can there ever be a point that they are, they are lost uh, again. Now, I, I want to say every week, in fact, I want to say it on every single issue, uh, we do not need my answer or a preacher's answer. Uh, we're, not, we're not looking for a preacher's answer. We do not seek a denomination's answer. And I, and I uh, sometimes think people are surprised by that. We're not looking for a denominational, a, 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 a Baptist answer to this question but in this question, and really in all things that we will look at, we want a biblical answer. We want to know what God has said uh, as the church today. We want a New Testament answer. We want the biblical answer uh, to the issues that we face. Well, so for this question, uh, we're not going to cruise through this and come up with a Baptist answer or a Baptist doctrine. We're going to see what the Bible has said concerning this issue. Last week we looked at uh, really the gospel of Jesus Christ. We looked at, we answered the question, uh, how are we saved? Uh, what does it mean to be saved? And if we say, hey, this, this person is saved or I'm saved, what is, it, what is it that we're saying when we call a person saved? What does it mean to be saved? Well, we saw very quickly uh, that we are saved from the penalty of sin, uh, our sin, uh, that, that penalty is paid in the death and the burial and the resurrection of our Savior Jesus. And that is reckoned to us, that is charged to us by faith in Jesus Christ. And so uh, a pretty in-detailed discussion last week, but it comes down to the truth. We are saved by faith in Jesus Christ. He is, he is the Savior. He is the remedy for sin. And, and we are saved by putting our faith, our trust in Jesus Christ. Again, we are not saved by doing things, uh, not, not by works. The Bible says we're not saved by a single work or a single thing. We're not saved by doing anything. We're not saved by, by changing our lives. 
Well, if you'll, if you'll change your life, then, then uh, you're able to be saved. We're not saved by stopping sinning, uh, as if there's a point where we can say we're not going to sin any longer. Uh, we're not saved by citing the right words or, or possessing the right information uh, by saying the right things. We are saved by faith in Jesus Christ uh, as the Savior, as the remedy for sin. And that's what, that's what we looked at last week. Last week, uh, we looked at several different verses, but we ended with the verses in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, which are really foundational verses uh, for our understanding of salvation. The, the verse says, For by grace we have been saved. God gives it to us. He is gracious. He is compassionate. And for by grace we have been saved through faith. And so again, it is a salvation by faith. The verse continues and says, Not by works, lest any man, lest we should boast. Well, that, that's the, the truth of last week. We're saved by faith in Jesus Christ, in God's grace, by faith in Jesus alone. Well, this week we're going to stack on that. We're going to build on that foundation. We have, we have the question and then we're going to, we're going to continue to, to process through to arrive at our answer, building on the foundation of last week. Our, our lesson tonight is entitled, or really the subject matter is going to be, Once Saved, Always Saved. And we're going to see three supports of that biblical truth. Now, I think this is a big thing. I may be weird, but I think this is an exciting thing. And I for sure know this is an important thing as, as we look at this, this truth. Um, I think it's an awesome thing. I'm excited to walk you through uh, these truths. We're going to see three things that support the truth that once you're saved, you're always saved. The first thing we're going to see is God's power. Second thing we're going to see is God's promise. And the third thing we're going to see is God's seal. And so I'm going to explain those three things to you. The first thing is this. God's power. God's power. See this, understand this. We are saved in the power of God. By faith we receive it, but be very sure we are saved in the power of God. It is not human power that saves us. Uh, it, it, is, it is not our, our power that could ever save us. We were helpless in our sin, in the condemnation of our sin. We were powerless to defeat our sin. We have sinned. We couldn't, uh, we couldn't pay the penalty uh, for our sin uh, and, and have the redemption that we have in Jesus Christ. That is why we needed a Savior. It's not in human power. You didn't do anything to get saved. I didn't do anything to get saved. But in God's power, He saves us. Now let me read some verses, Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verses 4 through 7, the preceding verses for the verses we ended with last week. Uh, but listen to these verses, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. But God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, for God so loved the world, even when we were dead in our transgressions, our sins, made us alive Together with Christ, by grace you've been saved, and raised us up with Him, and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, 
so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And so, so understand, the, the, the work of salvation is done by Christ. It is done by God through the person of Jesus Christ. It is his power that saved us. Now that verse says we're going to exalt Christ. He's going to be glorified. He's going to be known through his powerful act. But it is in the power of God that we are saved. It is God's power that forgives us of our sin. Uh, we couldn't do anything about it. It's God's power that renews us. We're made new. It's God's power that restores us in our relationship with Him. In that verse, we were dead in our sins. We're condemned, dead in our sins. We are made alive in, in the power of God, the same power that walks Jesus out of the grave alive, that same power, we are made alive in the power of God. 1 Corinthians 6.14 says, Now God has not only raised the Lord, but will also raise us up through His power. And so that's a, that's a big understanding. It is God's power that saves us. It is Now listen to this. Here's, here's where this is going to start to build. It is God's power that saves us. And so follow. It is God's power, therefore, that keeps us saved. Now that's, that's a pretty big equation. And it's going to be very important as we understand this. It is God's power that saves us. Therefore, it is God's power that keeps us saved. Now I want you to follow with me. Stay with me. If there is something that you can do to be saved, then it would just follow there is something you could do to be unsaved. Now, now see how that adds up? If there's something you, some work that you need to do that you have to do to be saved, then it would just follow there's some works, or a work at least, that you need to do to stay saved. And if you can do things to stay saved, then there must be some things that you had to do to get saved. Doesn't that, doesn't that make a lot of sense? If you can do things, if you have to do things to stay saved, it becomes a salvation of works. That's why I think this is a gospel issue. Some folks say, well, I, I'm not sure this is a gospel issue. I, I truly believe this is a gospel issue and that, and that if you monkey with this, I actually believe you changed the gospel and it becomes a salvation of works. Now, we've said it's not of works, but if there's something you have to do to, be, to stay saved, then the natural progression is there must have been something you did to get saved. And if there's something you have to do, some work you have to do to get saved, then it would just follow. There, there's a way that you could not do or do some things that would cause you to not be saved. And our salvation becomes a salvation of works. It is God's power that saves us. We did nothing to be saved. And listen, and so there is nothing we have to do to stay saved. It is in God's power. Now the implications of that are huge. And, and we could talk for a long time about the implications of that. But let me just give you one. Hebrews, the book of Hebrews says that God saves to the utmost, that He saves completely. Well, what if the death and the burial 
and the resurrection of Christ, the power of God that saves you. What if he has the power to save you? Resurrected Savior, but he doesn't have the power to keep you saved. Now, that's just one of the implications of this. That's, he saves completely is what Hebrews says. Well, you know what? He didn't have the power to keep me saved, and I went back and committed some sin, or I went back and, and did some things, and I'm not saved. That's not saved completely. That's not saved to the utmost. God's power saves us, and it is in God's power that He keeps us saved. It, it absolutely is a gospel issue. It is God's power that saves us. It is in God's power that He keeps us saved. Now, that ought to be good news. That, that's an exciting thing. Uh, we're going to talk about it next week, but, but we're not placed on a treadmill saying, well, can you keep it up? Can you hold this standard? Can you no longer go back to those sins? Now listen, there's some results of being made new in Christ, but we're not on a treadmill trying to keep really earn our salvation. This is good news. God's power saves us. And it's God's power that keeps us safe. That's the first thing, God's power. Second thing is this, God's promise. God's promise. And, and we're going to see what, what has God said concerning this issue. Now this might be the most important thing. Uh, we trust the Word of God. We believe the Word of God is without error. We believe it is His truth. It is the truth. Um, and so, so, the, so the question is, so what is the truth concerning this question? And so we're going to go to the Word of God. Now, um, I, was, I was penciling this out. I was writing this out. And there are many, many, many verses uh, in Romans. There's many verses all over the New Testament uh, that we could look at that are, con- that are going to confirm this truth. But we're, we're going to look at some of these verses Tonight, what has God said? What is God's truth concerning this subject? Let me just read you some of them. Listen very carefully. John chapter 10, verses 27 through 29 says this. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they know me. And I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Now, um, as we move through these verses, I want you to see the verb tense is important. Has it already happened? I, I want you to see the verb tense is important. The words matter. And we're gonna, as we move through all these verses, we're going to see, you know what? The word choice is important. God, God chose and used that word uh, with a meaning. Eternal life. What does that mean? It doesn't end. And I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish. I've given eternal life to them, they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Words matter. Verb tense matters. All right, let's move on. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this. You can trust this. Being confident of this very thing, that He, God, who has begun a good work in you, will complete it. Now, now what that verse says, and we're going to see some more shades of it, is that when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we become the righteousness of Christ. We are justified before a holy God. Now, after that point, we're in the process of being sanctified, becoming more like Christ, being transformed to be more in the image of Christ. And, and that is the process 
that we're walking in. Walking in faith. Walking in obedience. Discerning what God's Word has said. We're in the process of being sanctified. And then there will be a point when we are glorified. When we are in Christ's presence and, and, and we, are, we are not like this anymore and we will have been glorified. All of those things in the power of God. Now what that verse says is this. That process doesn't stall out. Be very confident, be trusting in this, that He, God, who began the work, oh, I justified Him, but I didn't sanctify Him, I left. I never brought Him to, justi- to, to, to uh, glorification, I left. I left it to Him, they went back. No, He who began a good work will complete it. He will walk you, see you, and in the power of God, see you glorified in His presence. That's the truth of Scripture. Romans 8, 29 and verse 30 says, For those He foreknew. Now what that means is, those who are saved, He knew they'd be saved. It's not any more complicated than that. God knows who will be saved, knows all things. For those He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. Now now follow with me. For those He knew He would, would be saved, Those folks, he predetermined, predestined, that they would be conformed to the image of Christ. That's what that that verse ahead of it says. Um, Sanctified, glorified. He predestined that those who trust in Christ will become like Christ. So that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Talking about rank, place. Moreover, whom he predestined, those he also called. He called them. Whom he called, he also justified. And whom he justified, these he glorified. Same verse. God's plan is not going to stall out. God's power is not going to run short, but it will be carried out. All right, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they've put their faith in Christ. He is a new creation The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Passed away. Listen to the the word choice. Listen to the, to the, the verb tense. It is a completed transaction. The old things, they're gone. The old has passed away. It says, behold, take a look. The new has come. You put your faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says you're a new creation. You have you have a new Lord, you have a new heart. You're a new creation. The old is dead. Think about the, the, the implications of that. We're not going between dead and life and dead and life. We're, we're made new in Jesus Christ. All right, next set of verses. 1 Peter 1, verses 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved for you in heaven. See see the verb tense here. He has caused this. He has reserved for you an inheritance that's not going to pass away. It is a finished fact. It's a completed transaction. All right, speaking of verb tense, and I, I 
like to look at these verses, and there's a, there's a ton of verses we could look at. Uh, but, but some of the verses that we would go back and say, you know what, this is central to what we believe of our gospel. Let me, let me show you a couple verses. John chapter 3, verse 16, our, our beloved verse, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes by faith, believes in him, listen to this, shall not perish but have eternal life. Listen to that. Those who believe in Christ, here's what God says, Jesus speaking, shall not perish. They shall not perish. Well, what if they do something? They shall not perish. It says, but have, they have it. Have, that's what the word of God says, have eternal life. Now, all of those words are so important, but think about eternal life. It is life without end. It is eternal. It, it's going to be infinite moving forward. It, it, is, it is an eternal life. Well, that verse says when you believe in Jesus Christ, you shall not perish. You're not going to. But you already have eternal life. We're not waiting until we die to start eternal life. Right now, as I stand here, I have eternal life. The Bible says that, that in, in John chapter 11, if I, if I believe in Christ, I shall never die. I have eternal life without end. What if that life could be terminated? It's not eternal. What if it had an ending? Well, upon this event it ends. It's not eternal. God said eternal life without end. God says that we have it, we possess it. He says we shall not perish that is the testimony of Scripture. All right, let me show you another verse. John chapter 3, verse 36 says this. He who believes in the Son by faith, he who believes in the Son has eternal life. But he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. He who believes has eternal life. The promise of God is this. It is secure. It is settled. It is safe by faith in Jesus Christ. He has saved us in His power. And in His power, He keeps us saved. Next week, we're going to talk about uh, what if we could be unsaved. We're going to talk about what that would mean, what would break down, what, what verses uh, might be used to, to say that. We're going to talk about that next week. But I want to tell you the promise of God is this. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, it, you have eternal life. You possess it already, life that doesn't end. That is the testimony of God's Word. This is the promise. Now let me, let me, let me say this because I, I, I'm saying this is a big, big deal and I want to make a point why it is. If you change this, you're discrediting the Word of God. Because Jesus has said, if you, if you put your faith in Christ, you shall never perish. You have eternal life. If you deny this, you're denying the Word of God. That's what God has said, and you are denying the Word of God. Or, and maybe at the same time, you're denying the power of God. You're denying the faithfulness of God. He says this is what he'll do, and you're saying, well, you know what? You're not going to do it. And so you're questioning his ability, you're questioning his power, you're questioning his word, you're questioning his faithfulness. 
That's not going to work when we proclaim a gospel based upon the truth. If you change this, you deny the truth of God's word, the power and the faithfulness of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the truth. He wants us to be confident. Well, am I saved? Well, I don't know if I'm saved. Well, I, I, I'm not sure. I, I may have done some things that have messed that up. He wants us to be confident. He wants us to be sure. And so he states it in his truth. So we have God's power. The second thing we have is God's promise. Third thing we'll look at tonight is this, and it is God's seal. This is the big deal. This is God's seal. And we're, we're going to pull it out of, of a verse here, and we're going to build the biblical case for it here really in two verses. But I, I want you to see what this is saying. We, we have God's power. Uh, he, he has saved us. It is His power. We have His promise. The Word of God, verse after verse after verse, confirms this. But I want you to see this, and this is another evidence. It's God's seal. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. Now listen to this. It says this. In Him, Jesus... In him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. This is a tremendous verse. This is an awesome verse. There's a lot of, of deep truth theology comes out of this verse. In him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Listen to that a third time. I'm going to walk you through it. In Him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise. All right, listen to the progression of, of, of this verse. It says, when you listened to the message of truth. The Bible says that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel of your salvation is what it says. First thing you have to do is you have to hear the gospel. Um, that's huge. What do we do in the church? We preach the gospel. How do we witness? We tell the gospel. Well, I'm going to live the gospel. You can't live the gospel. You have to hear the gospel. The verse says, when you listened to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and it says, and when you believed it, it's talking about again by faith, when you heard the gospel and you believe the gospel. I believe I'm a sinner. I believe Christ came. He lived a life of no sin. I believe He went to the cross. He paid the penalty for sin. I believe on Easter Sunday He comes out of the grave. He's alive. He's victorious. And I believe by faith in Him, no work of my own, I am saved when I heard and when I believed. Now notice this. When I believed, there's no work tied to that. Now I want you to see this. There's not one thing tied to that in that verse. And when you believed and went to church, six months. Doesn't say it. When you believed and were baptized, doesn't say it. When you believed and took up a religious code of ethic, it doesn't say it. When you believed and, and, and stopped these things, it doesn't say it. It is by faith in Jesus Christ alone. There's nothing else there. When you heard the gospel, the good news of your salvation, and you believed in it. Now look, watch this. It says, you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise. This is a very exciting thing. 
Let me explain it to you. We're about to be done here. The seal, that's, that's the word God chooses here. You are sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Let me give you the, the image here. Let me give you the, what God is saying here. A king might make an official edict. He might make a, a, an official declaration. And, and some, some scribe over there would write that down. And the king has said this. The king has made this proclamation. And, and they would take that and they would fold it up or they would roll it up. And then they would take hot wax and they would pour wax on, on, on the edge of that, of that declaration. And the king had a ring. And there weren't two of those rings and nobody else had that ring. And that ring was a, was a symbol of who he was and his authority and, 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 and identifying him as the unique king. And he would take that ring and there with that hot wax, he would press the seal of his ring into that hot wax. What that did is it made it in effect. It made it the word of the king. It sealed it. Now that letter, that, that, that whatever it was, that scroll, that proclamation, it left. And it was delivered. And maybe it went hundreds of miles away to, to a different part of the kingdom. But when they received that proclamation, it was the seal that gave it validity. It was the seal that said, this is the word of the king. This is the declaration of the king. In fact, it was the seal that gave this piece of paper the weight of the king. You see, anybody can bring a piece of paper. Anybody can say, well, this is a declaration of the Lord. I heard it myself. Let me tell you what it is. It is the seal that gave it the weight of the king. So much so, it carried so much weight that if the king changed his mind, if the letter took off and he said, oh no, I, I didn't mean to say that. I regret it. Well, you know what? When they possessed the declaration with the king's seal in it, it carried the weight of the king. Well, that is God's word choice here. You're sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Let me, let me explain what this means. When we are saved, when you hear the gospel, and when you believe that gospel, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, when you are saved, we are sealed. And our seal, it's not a ring dipped in wax. It is the Holy Spirit of God within us. And so God says, how do you know this is the permanent, trustworthy, enforced declaration of God? It is, it is that you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Here's the deal. When we're saved, you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God. I am. You, you, when you put your faith in Christ, you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Now, it's all of the Holy Spirit of God. It's the fullness of the Holy Spirit of God. We're not receiving Him in installments. And that's not possible. It's not a later event from your salvation. That's not possible. But you and I receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit of God when we're saved. He testifies to us that we're saved. He reminds us of the Word of God. He convicts us of sin. You can't live as a Christian not one minute outside of the, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. When you're saved, you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God. That filling of the Holy Spirit of God is the seal of God. Listen to verse 14. 
who is given as a pledge from God, a promise, of our inheritance. In Him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is giving as a pledge, a promise of our inheritance. I, I want you to understand this tonight. God doesn't seal us and then break the seal. He doesn't fill us with the Holy Spirit, give us the Holy Spirit of God, and then remove the Holy Spirit of God. He doesn't say, I've given you eternal life, but it's just a trick. It's a, it's a temporal life. He, he doesn't say, you have the sure promise of heaven, cling to the hope, the blessed hope that Jesus is coming again, you'll be in heaven. But you know what? It's a false hope of heaven. He doesn't do that. When we are saved, we are sealed. Let me tell you what this means. It means this. We can know that it is finished when we trust Jesus Christ, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. It is done. We can know that we have the forgiveness of our sin. I don't have to revisit that over and over again. When I trusted Jesus Christ, He says I was forgiven. And because I have the seal, the Holy Spirit of God, I can know I'm forgiven. I can know that I have the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The accuser of the brethren, Satan, says, you know what? I don't think you got saved. I think you're too sorry to get saved. Do you remember all the people you hurt? Listen, I know that I wear the robe of the righteousness of Jesus because I'm sealed with the filling of the Holy Spirit of God. I know I'm new. I know that we're made new and I know Christ did that. I, I know that heaven awaits us in the absence of sin, the absence of sorrow, the absence of death. I am sure of that and I know that promise is as sure as the Savior that made it because of the seal of His promise, the Holy Spirit of God. The King doesn't break, remove the seal. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Of promise. Let me, let me tell you this. That's hope. That's hope. I, I don't know how you have any hope if you don't have that. That's confidence. I didn't do anything to get saved. I'm too sorry to get saved. But God and His power saved me. That's confidence. I want to tell you what. I don't have the power to stay saved. God and His power keeps me saved. That is hope. That is peace. That is confidence. God's power. God's promise. God's seal. I want to end by saying this. All of that comes from the events that we celebrate this week. This week we're celebrating Easter. And, and this week the, the, the Jewish celebration of Passover occurred. That it's the blood of the Lamb that, that, that provides deliverance. And Jesus comes to Jerusalem and he, he goes actually as the final Passover Lamb. And it's His blood that the, the, the weight, the cost of sin, that we're delivered from death to life. He goes to the cross and He takes my sin and He takes your sin. He pays for it there. He takes my shame. And then on Easter Sunday morning, we're going to recognize a risen Savior. The tomb is empty. Listen, all of that is true right now. All of this is secured in the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I want to say this. If, if you're listening tonight and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you're here and you have, you have an agitation, you have an uncertainty, you, you're lacking the confidence, 
I want to tell you it's as easy as this. You turn from your sin and repentance and you trust Jesus Christ in faith. He is the payment for sin, the Lamb of God. The receipt has been issued. He stands as the risen King. And, and, and you come and say, well, I'm so sorry and sick of my sin. And God, I ask that you forgive me from it, of it. And I turn and I put my hope and my trust in Jesus. If you've never done that, my prayer is in the explanation of these glorious promises. The gospel of Jesus tonight will be the night of your salvation. If you have done that tonight, church is weird, schedules are weird, but I want to tell you, if you have done that, we of all people should rejoice tonight. We shouldn't have to wait for Sunday morning. We should rejoice that we have a risen, reigning Savior, a gracious, loving God, and by faith in Jesus Christ, it is finished. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's close with a word of prayer. Dear Father, we come, and I'm thankful for the finished work of Christ. His death sacrificial for my sin. His burial and His victorious resurrection. Lord, I'm thankful that in Your grace, You make that available to me, that I can wear the, the robe of Jesus' righteousness by faith in Christ. Lord, I pray for some that have heard this tonight, and I, and I don't know, I can't even imagine where they're at tonight. I pray that the hindrances will be removed, that the truth will be made plain, and I pray that tonight folks will be saved, that folks will be saved tonight. Lord, I pray for us that have trusted you. I pray that right now a, an, a, an air, a spirit, a heart of worship would well up inside of us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.